Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out at our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, listen, we're talking about this in this series. We're talking about the fact that uh, that on this journey that God has us on toward becoming uh, more like Jesus and getting to heaven eventually, there is this uh, this thing that happens that uh, sometimes people along the way stop. And so we decided to use the train as kind of this this visual. And, uh, and along the way, people just find stopping points. There are things that trip them up, deadly detours, or things that, if you'll allow me the, the pun, derail us in our spiritual journeys. And we decided we would just identify a few of those. Over the years, we've watched this happen again and again to people and good folks, people we liked, and yet they just stopped their spiritual journey along the way. And we try to identify some things that trip them up. So today, the stopping point we want to talk about is power, power. And, uh, and so you're thinking, well, yeah, that's a big deal. If you're a politician, you're a CEO, the rest of us don't really struggle with power issues, power plays, that kind of thing. Unless, of course, you have siblings, Power comes by, or you have employees or employers or fellow workers. The power, power is a part of the deal. Uh, if you drive on the freeway, even there, power, how much you got under the hood, get past that person, I've heard that happen. So uh, here's the deal. I want to talk about the temptation to allow your spiritual journey, your walk with God to get derailed by wrong understandings of power, allowing yourself to get involved in power plays and and this kind of stuff. And I want to look at it from uh, the opposite perspective, what happens when you don't have power, Uh, because we all fear that. We all fear that if I don't have power, I'll be run over, I'll be taken advantage of, etc. So um, uh, what we're in Israel, we're at a place called Migdal. And Migdal is a, is a, is a recent find on, on the site. And the reason they found it, they wanted to build a Catholic church and hotel on the Sea of Galilee. And they, the Antiquities Department, whatever, of Israel uh, made them dig to see if there was any uh, historical sites there. And it turns out there was. Uh, there's an ancient synagogue. And it's almost assuredly a place that Jesus would have spoken in that area. And, uh, and so uh, they, they have kind of begun to excavate that, and they built the hotel kind of beside it, and they've built a beautiful church that overlooks the Sea of Galilee, and, and the, the kind of the, the podium area is, is kind of a boat. It's really cool looking. And, uh, but downstairs, they have a little chapel uh, with a beautiful painting depicting the story, uh, the historical story of the account of a woman who was sick, and Jesus healed her. And I want to talk about that story today. Uh, it's interesting because uh, while we were there, we did a little devotional down in that little chapel down there. George taught us uh, uh, a little devotional time. And, and when people had left, uh, there was a woman on the trip who had been, not for 12 years, but had been for a while suffering for the same kind of ailment that this woman suffered from. And I realized that, it, and so we had prayer. For everyone left, we had prayer together in that little chapel and I realized, and I, I had this weird thought, like maybe she should go touch the painting. <laughs> I'm not even Catholic. There's nothing magical about the painting. It was a cool painting, but nothing magical about it. There was no power in the painting. There's only power in, in the one it was painted of. There's only power in Jesus. And so as, a, as our kind of baseline today, I want us to understand that we all need power in our life, but it's not self-generated. It's not acquired power. It is a power that flows through us from God to be used for God's purposes. 
Otherwise, we find ourselves trying to achieve or acquire, um, use, wield <laughs> uh, human power that rarely turns out, never turns out well. So let me read this for you. In Luke uh, chapter 8, verses 42 through 48, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, uh, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? But power has gone out from me. And then he goes on. Then the woman, seeing that she could not, could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. A number of years ago, a guy brought me a, brought me a sign, a plaque for my office, and it said, if it is to be, it is up to me. And I thought, no. Because if it is to be and it's up to me, we're all in trouble. And so I remember sitting in my little tiny office, a little church, we had 20 people or 30 people or something like that. And I thought to myself, Lord, help us if that's true. And I realized in that day, it just isn't true. If it is up to, if it is up to me, we're not going very far. But if God's power is available through me, to me and through me, then we can accomplish some things that are far beyond what we could accomplish on our own. And so what happens in, in this picture is we see kind of a, well, let me, let me start with this. We all have kind of an inclination about power. We want it. On some level, we think if we just had more power, life would be better. It's just like fame. Fame, I believe fame is a curse. I, famous people rarely turn out well. And yet we all think, if I were famous, I could... No, you could destroy your life like all of them are. Okay? We think the same about power. If I just had more power, if I just had more... <clears throat> by the way, definition of power. It's, this is my definition. The ability to get things done or make things happen that you want to have happen. That's kind of power for me. The ability to make things happen that you want to have happen, okay? Do them your way. Get them, get them make them going. So if we just had a little more power, but the truth is that's not it. Seeking power, uh, and, and by the way, one of the issues with power is that it gives us, and here's where it's so sneaky. We think that if we have power, we can have control. That if I just had power, I could have... So this woman, been sick for many years. We find out in Mark chapter 5, same story, but gives a little more detail. It says this. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She'd spent, she had tried to take control of the situation. She had tried to go find the doctors, go get the best care. Yeah, and it wasn't working. The control for her was an illusion as it is for all of us. Here's the thing. We all think we want power. It's the original sin. The sin in the Garden of Eden was a, was a power play. What, what could they want? They had all the food they wanted. They were in charge of everything. They had true love with each other. They had a God who walked with them in the evening. What more do they want? They, here's the lie that Satan said to them. You, you don't need to be a creature. You could be a God. He says, you'll be like God. You'll just know stuff. It was the lie for power. They bought into the desire for more power. We oftentimes find ourselves on some level, maybe we don't even recognize or acknowledge it, but we're wanting more power. We're wanting more control. The problem is that the desire for power is, is 
almost always uh, demands ascendancy. It becomes more and more important. It wants total control. It destroys relationships. It destroys trust. It breaks down dialogue. It breaks down integrity. Power is not a good thing most of the time because we use it wrong. We misunderstand it. We want to be more than we were created to be. So what do we do with this? We realize that power more often than not the language of power would be climbing and, and pushing and shoving. If you doubt that, look at the disciples, the very men who were spending time with Jesus. What was the big problem with them? They kept arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who was going to sit closest to Jesus when he became king? It was a power issue. And by the way, you're saying, well, I don't struggle with those. I don't, I don't aspire to you know, have the corner office. I... <laughs> Have you ever have you ever uh, seen uh, chickens in in a in a like a yard or a, in a pen? You probably haven't, your city folks. Let me tell you what happens. There is a thing called a pecking order, and there's a pecking order in your world too. And the reality is, you aspire to be at least one rung higher than you are right now. And what you will do to get there varies uh, depending on how important it is to you. But all of us struggle with power issues. So here's, here's what we find. She wanted to take control. She wanted to fix things. She spent all her money. And at the end, she realized that control for her was just an illusion. By the way, control for all of us is an illusion. You don't control anything. Maybe a little, very little though. The truth, even your own success. Well, I'm a, I'm a self-made, really? Did you choose where you were born? Did you choose who you were born to? Did you even choose the IQ that you have? Did you, uh, did you choose the time in history that you would be born? You did not. As a matter of fact, secular writers write about this all the time, and they say, actually, your success has very little to do with you. There, Yes, there's some effort, there's some hard work, we get it, but most of what put you where you are to have the opportunities you have wasn't of your choosing. You weren't even in control of that. So to come to the place where any kind of real control, significant control is illusion, is a really healthy place to come to. This woman came to the place, I have no control, I have no power to fix myself, I am desperate. Um, it says when they all uh, heard that Jesus said, somebody touched me, they said, well, no, 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 no. By the way, remember, the disciples realized they didn't have power, although they did later. They didn't have power, but they had proximity to power. And so one of the things I notice again and again is if people can't get power, they'll try to hang out with people they perceive as having power right? And so here are the disciples trying to handle Jesus. No, no, it's okay, Jesus. Lots of people. As if Jesus didn't know there were lots of people. Sometimes the disciples are incredibly dumb. And that's why I identify so much with them. It's like, yeah, I know there are lots of people, Peter, <laughs> but there was one person that stands out from the crowd that touched me in a different kind of way. It's interesting for us that so much of what we see happening in the world is because someone is misusing power. It's been said that every third world country is poor because the people at the top misuse the wealth and the power of the nation. If things are going, I'm just going to say this, so you can take it however you want, but if things are going badly in our country, I want to suggest that someone is misusing power. And probably not just one, probably a whole group of people. 
And so one of the things we as Christians need to understand, we need to have a, a proper understanding of power and a proper understanding of what is causing things to happen, what power is driving it. They say, follow the money. Well, that might be one, but there are other reasons people misuse power. The truth is, unless God intervenes in our life, we will all misuse power. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So, you need to understand some things. Seeking power, seeking control, it's an illusion. It is not helpful. Trying to be near the power, to, to be a power broker, isn't helpful either. And the aspiring to be powerful isn't a, a Christian thing. It is not a godly thing. Here's what I love about this picture. It says that she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Now, we're just in Israel. Our Jewish guide said, oh, this story. That she, she touched the tassels of his prayer uh, thing. I forget. Anyway, I, I don't know if that's true. It's not indicated here. Maybe. I don't know. But here's what I do know is she snuck up. She tried to do a drive-by healing. Now, here's what's really interesting about this. A couple things. One is that we know by the description that she has been through a hard thing. Now, you understand, she wasn't just sick, but her condition um, caused her to be unclean among the Jewish people. So she couldn't go to worship. Uh, She couldn't be with other people. She was isolated from society because she was considered unclean. And so not only was her body not functioning, she was socially in trouble, religiously outcast. It was a bad thing. And so at this point, she is desperate enough to just kind of try to just, she was desperate enough to do that. Now, here's what's amazing to me, is that when this happens, Jesus calls her out. Now, why would he do that? Here is a woman who has experienced disgrace, been considered unclean, has been disappointed again and again. And why could he just let it slide and just like wink at her or something? I don't know. Saw that. Good job. Why wouldn't he do that? Right? Because Jesus always went to the inside, to the core issues in people's lives. And this woman had come to a place where she was so desperate she would do this thing. It was wrong, by the way, for her to touch a a man as an unclean woman and a rabbi at that. The very least, she had some chutzpah. (laughs) You know, she and Jesus calls her out. But why? Because he wanted to do a greater work in her. He called her out because he wanted to point something out. Here's the place we all need to get when it comes to power. He wanted her to come to a place where she had to acknowledge publicly and say out loud, I needed you. It is a declaration of dependency. The last thing any of us want to do is be dependent. It wasn't codependent because Jesus didn't need anything from her. It was dependency. We live in a world where we want to be self-sufficient, self-made. The problem is, is that we can't and aren't. What a wonderful thing when you finally come to the end of the illusion that you can be in control or you have enough power to make things happen or that you're ever going to get enough power to make things happen. When you come to the end of all that illusion, you come to the fact that I am just simply a broken person, a sinner, and I need God's grace. That is the most wonderful freeing because by saying I need God's grace, it's a declaration of dependency. That day in my office, when I looked at that silly little plaque, I, I said to God, nope, not true, God. I know that, you know, and every day since, <laughs> I've said to God, I know that's not true. What is true is I am a broken person 
who wants to be obedient to you, and it's in your hands. The outcomes are in your hands. I am dependent on you. When it comes to power, the most healthy thing we could do is say, I am dependent on God's power. I'm dependent on God for whatever he wants to do in my life. That's what this woman came to. She made a declaration of dependency. Now, there's a couple of things about this. Um, there's a story told about St. Francis and a guy named Sylvester, of all things. And uh, St. Francis was always giving away money to the poor, lots of money to the poor. And he would gather money and goods and he'd give away to the poor. And, and, he, and, uh, and a stonemason did some work for him. The guy's name is Sylvester. And did some, some work for him at one point. And he began to see, and so he finished the job, got paid. And, but he began to think about all that money he saw St. Francis handing out. And so he goes back to him and he, and, and he was greedy. He says, you know, you, you didn't pay me my full uh, fee for that job. Oh, really? I thought, I thought we agreed to pay. No, no, you didn't pay me. There. You, you owe me. So St. Francis, realizing what's happening, and like Jesus, wasn't willing to take it at surface value, wanted to push it to, to the internal issues within this guy, said, okay, and he brings out the money he was giving to the poor, and he says, whatever you want, take it. It's yours, whatever you, whatever you deserve. And the guy took a bunch, like way more than he should have taken gets done. And Francis says, now are you sure? That's all you need. That's what, that's what you want. That's, that's, we're good now? Yeah, we're good. And goes on his way. Sylvester goes home, and he later tells the story. Goes home, and it's eating at him. Because he knows not only did he take more money than he deserved, but he took it away from the poor. And his conscience began to yell at him. And he began to scream at him, and he just couldn't take it anymore. And he goes back, and he gives the money back, and he begins to be generous with people. He begins to care for the poor, and he begins to grow closer to God in this process. As a matter of fact, it was said to him at the end of his, about him at the end of his life that he was so holy and filled with grace that he spoke with God as one friend speaks to another. See, what happened in his life is a, a, a switch flipped. Because he thought money would give him power, would make him happy. But when he observed Francis, St. Francis giving the money away, he realized he was aiming the wrong direction. It wasn't in the money that St. Francis found joy. It was in the serving God and others that St. Francis found the joy. That, that switch needs to click for all of us. Because all of us have that intuition. I want to be top on the ladder. I want to have the corner office. I want to look down on others. You're saying, well, I don't, I don't really do that. Don't lie to me. If you're married, you've paid power plays on your spouse this week. If you have children, you have been tempted to power up on them. Because mommy said so. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. I'm just saying you did it. The reality is that we are all tempted at this, but something needs to switch inside of us. Something needs to change. Let me... Let me Read something. It was written in 1985 by Richard Foster. Remember, this is before social media, before the present political climate. I want you to listen to this. It says, pride combined with power makes us think we're right, and the power gives us the ability to cram our vision of rightness down everyone else's throat. That doesn't describe anything happening in the world today, but in 1985, evidently... Here's a part of the problem. I'm going to give you this for free. I'm not even going to charge you for this part. Here's part of the problem. I hear people talking about imbalance of power. Some people have too much power. Other people don't have enough power. 
And the proposed solution to that, and by the way, I think it's probably true. The proposed solution to that is to take the people who have too much power and give it to the people who don't have enough power because that will fix it. They will have a balance of power. The problem is it won't work. Almost every revolution, and we've had a lot in the last hundred years, almost every revolution replaces a despotic dictator with a despotic dictator. Because the problem is the fallenness of the first one with the power is the same fallenness the second one with the power has. So the answer is not to take the power from those who have and give it to those who don't have, because they're not any better people than the one who has. Maybe slightly, sometimes a degree or two. But generally, no. It ends up the same way. Here is the misunderstanding about power. We can try to force equal power. Equal, but what if we did the right thing and gave the power back to God and just became conduits of his provision and his love and his care, not striving for power? I'm going I'm to suggest that most of the bad decisions made by our government right now, on either side of the aisle, I don't care, is because people are power hungry. People are lying to you and they're lying to me because they want power. And they have never have enough power. So one of the things that we saw in Israel was King Herod. We didn't see King Herod. He's dead. But <clears throat> we saw lots of evidence of having been there. <clears throat> King Herod <clears throat> was a friend to Caesar, very powerful. And, and he was always trying to hang on to power. Always trying to hang on to power. Matter of fact, in, in his architecture, in his family, really, he killed two of his sons and his favorite wife because he was afraid they were trying to take his power. His, his, we, we visited one of his, a couple of his palaces, uh, the one uh, in Herodian, it, there's beautiful, and there's this tower, and that was his bedroom because it kept him away from people so they couldn't get to him and kill him. You see, this desire for power just messes everything up. It's messed our society up, and it may have messed up your family and your life. Isn't it time we flipped a switch on the idea and the understanding of power and begin to realize that more power is not the answer? The worship of power, the desiring of power above all else, the desire to control above all else is incredibly destructive. So let me give you some lessons we learned from this poor woman who was healed here. Let me just give you a few things. The first one is that the touch is critical. The fact that she touched him, that's, a, that's an important thing. Um, he said, the power has gone out for me. Now, had she not touched him, the healing would not have happened. I don't know why. I don't understand the mechanics of it. Uh, but somehow, if she hadn't taken that, that, that step, that extra step to touch. I've been thinking a lot about the power imbalances in the world and, and the people struggling for power on both sides. And, and so much of what we hear and the propaganda on both sides is just about people trying to get the upper hand in the power. And it's just sickening, frankly. Uh, it's disgusting and disappointing. And... and just as it is when I see it in my own life, okay? Uh, so I've been thinking about this. What needs to happen? Something needs to happen. It needs to start with individuals. And we need, there needs to be a, a switch flipped in us that we really do see what Jesus saw. Disciples are in it for the power, but Jesus saw a greater mission. And it wasn't until after the resurrection the disciples woke up and went, oh, this is greater. <laughs> this is greater than sitting at the right hand of the king. This is greater. And as Christians, we need to wake up to something that is greater, that God has a bigger plan, something more important, and quit selling for silly little power plays. Tim Keller talks about something in one of his uh, uh, sermons. He he talks about the fact that, that at some point Christianity has to be more than a mental ascent to something. More than just showing up at church, as important as that is, um, it has to, something has to sink in. And, and he gives this illustration. 
And, and I've seen it many times myself, and you've probably experienced it. You, you have a family member you love dearly. Um, maybe it's a grandma, grandpa, something. And the doctor says, um, I'm sorry, but there's no more we can do. And it's just a matter of time. And they give you some estimate of time. And so for, in the case of my own father, three months, we, we knew for three months he was going to die. and we, we saw it coming. But there's something so weird about us that it doesn't sink in until some later point. It might be at the funeral. I think for me, it was when I went to call him the first time after he had passed. And, oh, I, I, and it sunk in. It dawned on me. Something got real for me all of a sudden. Here's what Keller suggests, and I think it's true, is that we as Christians, we, we verbalize and we espouse to certain beliefs. We say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't sink in to the point where it changes us. What if God's power is the only good power? And that any time that we aspire to a place of power and position and prestige so that we can control things is bad. What if we really did believe that it's only God's power that can heal a broken nation? It is only God's power that can reconcile a, a broken marriage or a, a, a broken community. What if it's God's power? What if we something dawn on us? I was standing at the Western Wall. We call it the Wailing Wall, which I think is offensive. They think it's offensive to them, Jews. And I'm standing there, and, and I've been there several times before, and sometimes I'll write a, a prayer, and I'll stick in the wall over there, not that I believe in any kind of magic or anything. But the reason that they pray there is because it's closest to the ta- where they believe the tabernacle was. And that's as close as they can get. And so they go and they pray and, and they do all the stuff. And it's fine to go and touch the wall and stick. It's fine. But this time I was standing there. I had my little thing on top there and, and uh, kippah. And, and, and I'm standing there and I started to go toward one and I, I just, something dawned on me. Something kind of funny. I don't need to go to that wall. I mean, I never felt a compulsion to do it before, but suddenly, it just in a fresh way, it just dawned on me, I don't need to go to that wall. Christ came and died on a cross and was resurrected so that wherever I am, in, in any place in the world, I can just, I don't need to go to a wall, I don't need to go to a person, I just talk to Jesus. And I began to just sit there while other people were kind of doing whatever, and I just had a moment of thanksgiving and gratitude because something, some kind of fresh revelation dawned on me. It's not life-changing for anybody else, but it was for me. What an incredible thing that I can talk to God because of what Christ did anywhere I am. What would it be like for us to dawn on us that all the power we ever need will be given to us at the right time in the right moment for the right purposes? Quit trying so hard to be in control to manipulate, to maneuver, to arrange, to power up. Oh, by the way, this probably hits pretty well with type A personalities, people, you know. But some of you are sitting out there feeling sorry for yourself because you're powerless. That's what this woman was. She was powerless until she had a touch of the master. I grew up in a tradition where they would talk about people and there were people who kind of said they were Christians. Then there were people who they used this phrase, I think they got a real touch from God. It's that experiential understanding of knowing God and seeing God in some sense for who he is that changes how you look at your world and what you aspire to. You see yourself as powerless. That's not Christian either. You are incredibly powerful because God works in you and through you will heal you and bring wholeness will move you forward in this life. And it's not your own power. It is his. You don't need to be afraid. You need to touch the Savior who loves you.
The touch was critical. The faith was essential. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. I don't know if she had faith, but she had chutzpah. Do you know the word chutzpah? It's a Yiddish word. Guts. Courage. She had the courage to to at least try. What if you were to just try? Not maneuvering, not manipulating, not controlling, not worrying, but letting God be in charge. What would that look like for you? And what would that look like for me? The courage to say, God, you know better than I know. Your plans are better than my plans. Your ways are better than my ways. And finally, peace. It says, go in peace. Jesus has the ability to heal her physically, but as with every other person, when he said, go in peace, peace was not a reference, I don't believe, to her physical healing. I think he did more than that. I think he brought healing inside. And the way she could go in peace is she was healed physically, but she was also healed spiritually. What if we allowed his power to do that for us? Let me just give you three quick things to finish with this. If you want to live in this dependency that we're all called to, is defeat the lust for power. Defeat the lust for power. Recognize the desire for power and defeat it every time it comes up with God's help. Instead of going for power, trust his power. Second thing is renounce the need for anything. One of the things that the early church, um, uh, some of the ascetic church fathers had was they didn't need anything. So much of our desire for power is to control and protect what we love and care about, whether it's people or it's things. But what if this all belongs to God? What if my house belongs to God? What if my job belongs to God? What if even my wife and my children belong to God? Is God able to care for them and take care of them? Would that take a load off my shoulders if I could truly believe that? God loves them even more than I do. What if those things that I cannot control, that bother me so much, I just gave to him? And then lastly, the third thing I'll mention on this is to reject the worldly use of power. Stop trying to manage and control others. Refuse to dominate or intimidate. What if you caught yourself, whether it's on the freeway or at the office, caught yourself when you were getting ready to use power, to wield power in some way, and let go of that, realizing it's ungodly, it's unchristian, and it's derailing? That would pretty well change our world, wouldn't it? You see, it wasn't the Romans who changed the world. They did a little bit. We weren't there because of the Romans. We were in the Holy Land because of Jesus. The people never really wielded power in the way you expect them to, but they changed all of history, Jesus and his people. And he calls us as his people to change the world in a different way, in a new way, a way where we don't use power in the same way. So today, I just want to say a prayer. We're going to do baptisms in a minute. So excited about that. But before we do that, I just want to say a prayer for two kinds of people. The kind of people who you're struggling to control. You're just oh, you're trying to hang on to this thing with all you've got. And others of you who just feel like, I have no power. See, Jesus loves both of you. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you're one of those people, when I pray, I want you to take your hand and let go of it and just turn it up like this. Say, God, I want to receive whatever you have for me. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm not going to control. I'm not going to power up. I'm going to trust you. And if you are feeling powerless, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I know you have all that I need. I receive it from you today. Let's pray. Lord God, I um, struggle with control. I like to be in control. I, I, I want to protect myself. I want to protect those that I love. But Lord, it's an illusion. 
I could be driving down the street tomorrow and my life be taken from me. I could get a doctor's report and it would be over. Lord, I am not in control. Why do I waste energy trying to be? Today, I release that. I give it to you. And I ask you to be in control. I trust you to take control. Lord God, I give my life completely to you once again. For anyone here today who's feeling like they need to be in control or they're losing control, Lord, help them let go and to trust you. For those who feel like they're powerless, they have no way forward, Lord, let them know that you love them and you will guide them. Let them just be responsible for obedience and not outcomes. And Lord, today, we thank you. Having all the power in the world, you still chose to go to the cross and die for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the forgiveness. We thank you for the promise that you will be in charge of the outcomes. And we thank you for the forever we'll experience with you. Let us receive that even now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.